You know, I finished up my series just because I finished up my series last week doesn't mean you can get rid of your table. Hopefully that's something that becomes a part of us. And, you know, as I was preparing for this morning, uh, God did some, he spoke to me in some unique ways and, and I'll get into that. But I just want to read a scripture. And as we read the scripture, I feel like this is how we read scripture. Go ahead and pull that scripture up. A lot of times when we look at the word of God, this is how it appears. There's black and white and sometimes red. So I want to read these words, and as I read these words this morning, I just want to ask for you to, to share with me what kind of stands out, what jumps out at you, maybe what word, what phrase jumps out at you as we read these words. It says, when Jesus came down, this is in Matthew chapter 8, when Jesus came down from the mountainside, large crowds followed him. A man with leprosy came and knelt before him and said, Lord, if you're willing, can, you can make me clean. And Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I'm willing, he said, be clean. Immediately he was cleansed of his leprosy. Then Jesus said to him, See that you don't tell anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer the gift Moses commanded as a testimony to them. This is how we often see the word of God. What stood out as I read those words to you? Like, we can be interactive here. Anything from that? Willing. I am willing. Anything else stand out? I didn't hear that. What? Don't tell anyone. Okay, that is. It's kind of interesting. Why would Jesus say, don't tell anyone? What else stands out? Anything? Offer the gift? To offer a gift? You know, I sometimes, the Word of God, it's, it's, it's living and active. Um, and we get just a tiny picture of an event. It's kind of like a news channel. Like, I mean, here, there's a pretty remarkable story that gets like four verses in the Scripture. You know how sometimes uh, we, we see headlines and it's hard to put faces on what they're communicating. So we'll read about an accident and, and a family dying and we just kind of move on. Like, it's... There's something about it, and I think sometimes with the Word of God, it can become, it, it, it can become, we can become conditioned to the words, and we don't really look at what the Word is, is saying, or what's being communicated. And I'm not questioning the Word of God, I'm not saying that, that, that the Word isn't, isn't complete, but what I want to do this morning, because as I was preparing for my message, I came across, this is a story, okay, it looks at those four verses that I just read, it's a story, it is not necessarily the actual account, but it's a story that someone wrote with those verses in mind. I didn't write it. This isn't Pastor Steve's. I can't take credit for it. I think the guy's name was Brad Lewis. Um, but, but what I want to do is read this story, and I want to come back to these verses. Because sometimes, in, in, in the context of my life, there was a word that stood out to me when I read those verses that didn't stand out to anybody else. So I'm going to read this story. It says, there's a man in first century Palestine, in Jerusalem to be exact. Just picture it, there's no paved roads, there's no cars, there's no telephones. The summer air, it's filled with dust that's been stirred up by the thousands of feet walking about the city. It's quite hot on this particular day, I mean uncomfortably so. This man looks and acts like just about every other man on the street that day, but this day would change his life forever. As you stand looking at this man walking down the busy, dusty afternoon street, 
Let me tell you something about him. You may be able to, to see this by looking at the large sack of bread on, on his back, that he's a baker. He bakes many loaves a day, and he sells them at the market to support his wife and two small daughters. You know, they live in a small house in Jerusalem. It's on the west side of town, not far from the wall that separates the city uh, from the garbage heap. It's not a bad little neighborhood, although it can be a bit noisy from the traffic and sometimes certain days you can really smell the valley that's just over the wall. I mean, it can be nauseating at times, but nevertheless, it's home. And he feels comfortable there. You know, he didn't always dream of being a baker. Even though his customers always compliment him and comment, he's a natural at it, life just seemed to move him into that vocation. He didn't dislike it. There's other bakers at the market each day, some from each town and some from nicer parts of Jerusalem and one or two that are from his side of town all have their own secrets and their own way of making bread. He's no different. He takes great pride in his work. It gives him a sense of purpose. It's a way he can provide for his family. Each day as he works, when he has a spare moment, he thinks of home and his wonderful little family. Oh, his wife. And she's the most beautiful thing in the world to him. He dreams of her all the time, the smell of her hair, her clothes, her kiss, her embrace. He counts himself truly blessed of having such a woman. No man ever loved a woman more than he loves his wife and, and his daughters with joy they bring him. You know, the older of two, she's rather high-spirited. She has a mind of her own and doesn't hesitate to say what she's thinking. The younger one, she's much quieter. One never knows quite what she's thinking, but, but she's always thinking. You know, each day as he returns home from the market, he can always count on them running to greet him with smiles and kisses. Somehow the hard, that makes the, the hardships of the day melt away. This day, this dusty, busy day, it's not unlike other days. He rounds the corner of street and he hears the shrieks of daddy's home, followed by hugs and kisses and a million questions of what he saw in the market today. He steps through the door of his home, the smell of a delicious dinner. He can bake just fine, but no one cooks like his wife. They sit down and after giving thanks, they eat dinner just like every other night, nothing unusual, nothing peculiar. It's absolutely normal. It's an uneventful evening around the table. After dinner, the man gets up from the table and he walks over to his wife. He whispers a few words of gratitude in her ear and gives her a gentle kiss. Each catches the other's eye and their brief gaze speaks a thousand volumes of affection. But what they don't know is that moment. That would be the last such glance, the last such kiss, the last such moment for a very long time. And as she rises from the table and she begins cleaning up and he walks to the water basin to do the same. As he washes his hands, he ponders the events of the day and he anticipates another day tomorrow. But... What's that? I mean, they're in the water. Can it be? Blood. Where's it coming from? The man wonders. Had he cut himself without knowing it? No, there's no cuts. Why then is there this blood? He slowly rolls his hand around, trying to discover the source of the bleeding, all the while wondering, could it be? God, no! Don't let it be! Blood seems to be pouring right through his skin now. Small openings appear where there had been none before. He tries not to show his panic. But it's too late. 
out of the corner of eye, he notices his wife. Her ashen face says that she too is wondering if it could be. Please God, no, she thinks. Once again they stare into each other's eyes, this time with a sense of fear rather than love. And in a voice that's nearly a whisper, he tells her to go quickly. Just take the girls and go. We'll find out tomorrow. The next day, the priest puts the man in confinement in a safe place away from the people, outside of the city, while not far from his home, near the city dump. The waiting is intolerable. Now besides the smelling, now besides smelling the burning garbage, he has to watch it day and night. Seven days later, he's called before the priest who examines him. The nightmare continues as he's declared permanently unclean. Leprous. Why? What did I do to deserve this? God, couldn't you just have killed me? Must I be tortured like this? Is this really necessary? God, where are you? You know, for the next few years, things go from bad to worse. He's lost his livelihood, his family, his home his friends, and even his religion. He has nothing. His clothes are rags that he managed to gather from the trash heap. They hang loosely on him to ease the pain of the open wounds that has covered his entire body. Tending those wounds now takes the place of needing bread. It gives him something to do with his time. After a while, it becomes second nature to him. He hardly notices himself wrapping his arms and legs each day. But he does notice that he must dig through the garbage for his food. You know, he and the other lepers hates that term. It's so dirty. It's so unclean. I mean, he just longs for the taste of fresh baked bread once more. The indignity of eating garbage doesn't compare with that of having to warn others of his presence. Someone's coming, the other lepers would yell. Quickly he covers his face. In an almost perfect unison, the lepers start yelling, Unclean! Unclean! Children would recoil in the horror at the sight of him. Mothers would grab them and run for safety. The same people he had seen day after day in the market, the ones he spoke to, done business with, would go out of their way to stay away from him. There was that one day he was digging through the garbage by himself. When he heard the cry unclean, he looked up and he saw her. He sat down low and quiet and watched. She was as beautiful as ever. She seemed a little sad, a little aged since he last kissed her. His heart began to beat as, as she drew closer. Oh, just t- touch her again. Not since dinner that night so long ago. Had anyone even touched him? I mean, he could almost feel her caress on his face. He thought for a moment he could smell her breath. He was sure she could hear his heart beating in his chest. He was so loud and strong. Then she turned and began walking back, back toward the city and disappeared through the gate. He wiped the tears from his eyes only to have his hand covered in blood from the sores on his cheeks. I wish I could die. Several months later, the word began to spread about a prophet who was in the area. They called him the Lamb of God. You know, that sounded so clean. But who is he? 
Crowds follow this prophet everywhere. Even the lepers follow at a safe distance. He speaks with compassion and authority. And one day, on a particularly hot day, the man noticed the crowd following the prophet up the Mount of Olives. He's heard this man can cast out demons and and heal the sick. Perhaps. No, no, don't even think it. But he follows. As he comes within earshot of the prophet, he's nearly choked by the dust and the heat. He's reminded of that day years ago, of his bakery, of his street, of his children, his home, his wife. And as the prophet speaks, the crowd grows quiet. Such a large number of people and so quiet, the man thinks. Even though he's at a distance, he can hear what the prophet is saying. Blessed are those who who mourn, for they will be comforted. It's not possible. Does he see me over here? Can he know of me in such a large cloud? Surely not, but, but perhaps. Again, the prophet speaks. Do not think that I've come to abolish the law or the prophets, I've come not to abolish them, but fulfill them. But can one man really fulfill the law? Daring for the first time in years to hope, the man asks himself, can he do what has not been done since the days of Naaman and Elisha? Not since the day he saw his, his wife as his heart raced like it was right now. I can put up with the sickness. If only I could be clean. If this prophet, this Lamb of God can do that, I can go home again. As the day drags on, the man on the edge of the crowd waits patiently. Finally, the prophet finishes and begins to walk down the mountain. As the crowd moves to make way for him to pass through, the other lepers begin to shout, Unclean! And run to escape without contacting the normal people. Except for one. Risking what he had left in life, he pushed through the crowd. To find the prophet, this man can help. When he finally reached Jesus, he falls at his feet. He weeps, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. A gasp could be heard throughout the crowd. A leper dared to talk to Jesus? I mean, how could they get this man to go away without touching him? They couldn't pick him up. They couldn't throw him out or drag him away. We look to Jesus to discover his response. Then it happened. Who would have thought? Jesus reached out and actually touched the man. For years, No one had touched him. He'd been forced to live in exile, just a stone throws away from his home and his family to live without the handshake of a friend, the hugs of his daughters or the kiss of his wife until Jesus touched him. When no one else would, Jesus touched him. The man looked up, he gazed into the eyes of the Messiah, and there he found salvation. I am willing, he said, be clean. 
Jesus helped the man to his feet. He wiped the tears from his eyes. and They were wet, but they were covered with perfectly clear tears. Unstained, untainted, clean. He cried out, cleansed me, and so it was. Go back to the words. Go back to that previous verse, Irene. These words... Sometimes we miss how profound these words are. When I read this verse, the reality of Jesus touching this man captivated me. We don't comprehend leprosy. We don't think about it in our context. We don't know the, the, the burden that this man feels because he's been, I mean, he's just a man. There's a man with leprosy. He came. I mean, it sounds so simple. Jesus touched him and said, be clean. And it seems so sterile. It was profound that the prophet touched him. I looked at that word touch this morning. I want to talk about, Walt has talked about it several times this morning, not knowing what I'm preaching about, the touch of God, touching God. It's something that, that I don't know at times we, 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 we get or we wrap our heads around. The word in the Greek that was, that was in this verse means properly touching that influences. If I continue to read the definition, touching someone in a way that alters or changes them. Impact touching. I think if I had a title this morning, I called it Divine Touch, it might be Impact Touching. Jesus touched him in a way that changed him. It got me thinking. What about my ability to to touch God? What about the possibility of God touching me? I mean, there were other lepers. There were colonies of lepers. But one chose to put himself in a place where he could be touched by God. What about what about me? You see where this started in my life. I was praying. I knew my series was done. I didn't know what to preach. So I went to bed uh, Sunday night and was praying. And, I, and uh, Monday morning, Elliot woke up early. God didn't give me any divine revelation while I was sleeping. You know, I mean, sometimes we hope it just drop it in our lap. God, what am I going to preach on next? The series is done. I mean, talk about anxiety. Be a pastor and then try to figure out what you're going to preach next. And a lot of times God will take me to about Thursday and then I'm really stressed out. And so I'm laying in bed and I'm asleep and then Elliot wakes up and I act like I'm asleep. So Tam gets up to get him anyway. I mean, if I go in, he's going to tell me he wants mom anyway. It doesn't matter. It works better that way. 
And so she brings Elliot in the bed just like she's done. And, you know, I'm laying there in bed and I'm half asleep, half not asleep. And there was a moment that God spoke to me. And we're laying in the bed. And I know toddlers tussle. If you've ever slept in a bed or in a room or in a home with a toddler, you know that they toss and turn. They move a lot. And there was a moment where Elliot touched me, which isn't that different. You know what I mean? Like for him to be in a bed, we got a king-sized bed, but you'd have to have like a, a double king, triple whatever for a toddler not to touch you in a bed. But there was something about his touch. And I remember I'm laying there and, and he puts his hand just on my, my shoulder. And I'd been praying about the sermon and this was an impact touch. This was an intentional touch. But why did my two-year-old place his hand on my shoulder? What did it communicate to me as his father that he wanted comfort? That he wanted to know dad was there. This wasn't uh, 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 just he was rolling over, tossing and turning, and his arm ended up there. But this was, he placed his hand on his father because he knew who his father was. It was an expression of love and a reception of security. Because he touched me. And as a pastor, I got to wondering, are we reaching out and touching our Father? Are we touching impact? Touching Him with the intentionality of influence. You know, there's another story in Scripture. I don't, I'm not going to read a 15-minute story with this one. We're just going to read the words. This is in Luke chapter 8. As Jesus was on His way, the crowds, they almost crushed Him. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years, but no one else could heal her. She came up behind Him and touched the edge of His cloak. Immediately, her bleeding stopped. Who touched me? Jesus asked. When they all denied it, Peter said, Master, the people are crowding around and pressing against you. What is Peter saying? Jesus, there's a lot of people touching you right now. And he said, She touched me. But Jesus said, Someone touched me. I know that power has gone out from me. Then the woman, seeing that she could not go unnoticed, came trembling fell at his feet in the presence of all the people. She told why she had touched him and how she had been instantly healed. Then he said to her, Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. There was something about her touch. If you've ever been to an airplane or an airport, they shove too many people into a small space multiple times on your way to the airplane and you are bound to be touched by someone along the way, 
That's what they're saying. Lots of people were crowding Jesus. A lot of people were touching him, but there was something about this woman's touch that was different. My kids touched me a lot. They wrestle. We, uh, we, we, we tease each other. We shove each other. We, we do whatever. Uh, talked about it. My kids have a bad habit of smacking us on the butt. I mean, it's just our, we touch. Touch happens a lot of times. But what was different about this moment was the intention of the touch. All those other in the crowd may have been pushed up against Jesus. They might have been near Him, but they weren't experiencing the touch of the Almighty. Man, what about us? What about you? Multitude of lepers. Large crowd. But individuals experience the touch of God. Why? They sought it. They expected it. They, well, one asked for it. <laughs> the other just did it. You know, I think sometimes our understanding, I've been using this picture in the background. Go to the title screen. That's from the Sistine Chapel. It's Michelangelo's The Creation of Adam. You know, it's the picture of God and I had, to, I had to edit it for Sunday morning approval because it's art, but there's some parts. And so anyway, and it's in a church, so I guess it shouldn't matter, but God's up here and man's down here and he's reaching his hand. And so often I feel like that's how we picture God. Like God is, is so far away. It's, it's so hard for us to comprehend the reality that God desires to touch us. Walt can say, oh, we're praying for God to touch us, but something in our brain begins to start picturing this old man in a chair that hasn't gotten up since they drew the picture. So I don't know when the last time he stood up was, but he's not going to stand up and touch me. We've been convinced that God, He's not going to interact with us. But what I love about my faith, what I love about my God, is that God desires to to touch me. How do I know that? He tells us in Matthew chapter 1, all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said to the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. God desires to touch you. Let me tell you, Jesus, when he cried out in a loud voice, this is on the cross, so we started at the beginning of Jesus' life, we're going to the end of his earthly life, when he cried out in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. At that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, and the, and the earth shook, the rocks split, the tombs broke open, the bodies of many holy people who had died were raised to life. Why did the curtain of the temple tear in two? What was behind the curtain? 
If you think about the context of these people, and if you read the Old Testament, behind that curtain was the very presence of God. That curtain was what kept the presence of God from, from man. And, and who could experience the presence of God? But a few. And how often could they experience it? Not very. And what happened when they experienced it? They better be right or they would fall dead before the presence of God. Because they weren't worthy of the presence of God. And something about that, I think, resonates with our hearts where we begin to tell ourselves we're not worthy for God to touch us. Like, I'm not, we talked about righteousness and wickedness in Sunday school. I'm not right, I'm not right enough for, for God to touch me. I'm unclean. I mean, the presence of God starts coming by and we start crying out, Unclean! Don't look at me. Don't come in my house right now. It's a mess. You know what I'm saying? Pastor shows up at your house. You're not expecting him. You've got to put a bunch of stuff away before he can come inside. Unclean! Jesus answered, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you don't know him, or you do know him and have seen him. I want to tell you that we can experience the touch of God through Jesus Christ. I want to tell you this morning, God can touch you. He wants to touch you. He wants you to experience a, a touch that influences. He wants you to have a moment of, of impact touch with Him. Whether it's you reaching out to Him or Him reaching out to you. God desires to touch you. How? Through Jesus Christ. How can it happen? God is good. And His desire is to touch you. You guys can come forward. I don't know what you're going to sing, but you figure it out. That's why you guys get paid the big bucks. <laughs> they don't get paid at all, just in case anybody's wondering. But I believe this morning... And that's why I was anxious to get started, just as, as Walt was praying. and I don't know how many times he said the word touch this morning when he was leading worship. I believe God desires for you to touch Him today. And I believe God desires to reach down and touch you. I believe that today is an opportunity for us to experience the touch of God. I believe that today is a day that God is declaring He desires for us to reach out and touch Him. Someone might need to touch Him for healing. Someone might need to be touched for comfort. Someone might need to reach out and touch Him just to know that He's there. 
Someone might say, I've been told I'm not good enough for years and years and years. Someone might say that that the God of all, the one who is and, and always will be, the one who spoke it all into existence, He would never touch me because I'm not worthy. Well, let me tell you, Jesus Christ says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. You know, if you feel unclean, what can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. If you feel unclean this day, His blood was shed for the forgiveness of your sin. Scripture says there is a price to be paid for sin. That's death. That price was paid so that He could touch you. You know, there were a lot in those crowds. And many went without being touched. Many heard and were never touched. Many saw and were never touched. This morning I believe God wants to touch you. I believe God wants to be touched by you. How do you respond? Father, we come to you. And God, I I pray for us in this place. And you know the stories. I just see the faces. You know our lives. You know the situations. You know the dumps. The diagnosis, the despair, the discouragement, the disease. You know, the contentment, the joy, the peace that we've been living in. But God, we can we can touch you. And God, we can be touched by You. So God, I pray for us in this place. God, I pray that we wouldn't let this moment pass without seizing it. God, I pray that this would be a moment that we take advantage of, God. It would be a moment of of impact. It would be a moment of influence. It would be an opportunity for an experience that is extremely unique. God, the confidence to say, I've been touched. The assurance that comes from saying, I touched the Almighty. I pray that we live in that. I pray that we experience that this day in Jesus' name. You know, this morning as they lead us, I was reading James and it says that Sometimes God touches us through prayer. He says, you, you know, we let, our, we let elders lay their hands on us and they pray for us. Sometimes that's how we experience the touch of God. Some of us, we might experience the touch of God just by, by reaching out, 
where you are. He inhabits the praises of His people. We praise God this morning. I promise God is here. Maybe the, the moment is, is for you this morning just to reach out where you are. Maybe you need to go to someone. We, we've been talking about this. Maybe there's others you trust or, or your spouse is here with you and you want them to pray with you or whatever it might be. A friend or someone you don't know but, but you feel like you, you, you want them to pray with you. Take a moment to touch and be touched by God. There's not one father that doesn't want to touch his child. There's not a father that doesn't want to be touched by their children. That's the God who loves us. Amen. That's why he calls himself Father. He desires to touch you. Not just at 11.38 on a Sunday morning, but every day. Not just in a sanctuary in Crawford, Nebraska, but at your home, in your car, at Walmart. God wants to touch you. So reach out. bless you and keep you. I've got to pray for the offering still, but I'll do that. May he make his face shine upon you, be gracious to you. May he turn his face towards you and grant you his peace. And may you experience divine touch. Impact touch. Touch that influences. Amen?